0: Today's sponsor is Eva, the best AI repricer for Amazon profits. Private label sellers are you wasting your cash. Eva reprices your products for you, and the result is up to 50% more profits. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers in the USA and is now out for British and European sellers as well. For a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva.
1: That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. All of us get into e-commerce for the purpose of making a profit. It's the first, and let's just call it the most important, goal. But it can be elusive. In this episode, we're going to dive into seven steps for creating a highly profitable e-commerce company. We're also going to share about a new survey data that came out recently about Amazon selling successes, as well as a survey I did in a couple of my groups that has interesting insights into how to create profit uh, in your business. Michael, are you ready to dive into this fun topic? I am indeed. Let's do this. All right, let's do it. So first of all, opening thoughts on just the topic of profitability in an e-commerce company. I know this is a near and dear to your heart topic, as well as mine. Really it fast.
0: is. I mean, the first thing is, it's amazingly easy to neglect it, as well as agreeing with the fact that it's the most important goal. If you are planning to build a business to sell, which a lot of people are in the sort of Amazon FBA focus space particularly, and, and there's a good reason to because people are buying up businesses at a rate of knots. Is absolutely crazy how much money is out there. It's valued, folks, not as a, anything to do with the revenue, but as a multiple of the profit. Mm -hmm. And if you have no profit, in essence, your business has zero value in the simple sellability terms. Also, if you're trying to live off it, you can't possibly live off revenue. So those are the two reasons why it really matters. And yet, and yet it's so seductive to to worry about revenue and kind of Mm -hmm. put off jam tomorrow. You know, the profit is always tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And then suddenly you're three years in, four years in, doing a million dollars and still waiting for profit. That's not a good game to play.
1: Absolutely right. Well, we're going to cover a lot of topics in this podcast. We've just as context have three sort of pieces of information that we want to dive into. One is the survey that I did recently that I mentioned. The second one is a a survey by Jungle Scout with new information that's really interesting. And then the third one is some concepts and ideas from Profit First, the book by Mike McAlewitz. And then we'll share the seven steps that we've got that I think will help guide people towards higher profitability. Okay. So, so let me describe this interesting little informal survey that I did in my groups and nobody knew I did this this way, but hopefully the, they'll all enjoy it because I'm broadcasting this conversation into both these groups I'm about to describe. And so, you know, I want to give props to all of the participants in the survey. So, here's what I did. I We've got two groups that Kyle and I will work with and run. One is called our CEO small group. It's for our coaching clients and they are uh, very successful, six and seven figure sellers. Many of them are omni-channel. So they sell on Amazon as well as Shopify and Walmart or Etsy. And, and, they, and for the most part, think all of them, if I reflect back on who's in it, are making full-time living from their e-commerce selling. So they've, they've gone past the milestone of it being a side hustle. And, you know, they've gone to the point where they can live off of their, their online selling. So that's the first group. The second group is a, a group we just launched recently, and it's called the Replens Mastermind. And it's a fun group as well. And that group is because we did an application process to have them come into it it was by application only, we asked them questions about their sales and their profit and all of that. And so, and, and their goals and, and everything like that. And so to summarize that group, most of them, not all, but most of them are successfully selling on Amazon in the, you know, let's just call it $50,000 to $750,000 range, you know, a year. So, I mean, so they're making sales on Amazon, but they're mostly doing it as a side hustle. And most of them, the the number one thing we heard was their goal was to go full-time and to make the transition from, you know, having their online selling be a side hustle to being at their full-time vocation. Okay, so I've got these two groups, right? So that makes sort of this interesting test uh, zone of group A and group B and the differences. And so I, the first thing that I wondered about was, how does the CEO small group think about profitability? versus the replens mastermind because they're in very different places in terms of profit. Okay. So so I just did this little surveys in Facebook groups. You know, you can do those polls. And so the poll was like this. It, it was the question was, how do you increase your profit? So that was the question I asked. And then I gave them three seated answers and then they could answer ask their own or give their own answers as well and vote on those. But my Three seated answers sort of won the, the voting. So the three seated answers that I plugged in were uh, study and learn from your P&L each month, quarter and year was one option. Second option was migrate to higher margin products over time is a second option. And the third option was cut expenses, which frequently includes staffing and advertising costs. Okay. So those are the three options that people could vote on. And, you know, I mean, people probably spent like two seconds on answering this poll. So it wasn't like they, you know, prayed and meditated on these things or anything like that. So, but but here was the difference. And this is the interesting part. The CEO small group that is, again, sellers that are full-time, their number one response was study and learn from your P&L each month, quarter and year. But the Replens Mastermind group, which again, was mostly side hustlers who want to go full time, their number one answer by a huge landslide was migrate to higher margin products over time. Now, all of these are good options. I mean, like, you know, all three of those, you know, responses are appropriate. The question is, what's your top emphasis? What's, What's top of mind for you? which was the interesting bit for me. And so for the people who are full-time professional sellers, top of mind is financial management, you know, through the P&L tool, profit and loss tool. For the side hustlers, the top focuses on product and so just a little nuance there like a little tease or a little hint towards you know directionally what is most appropriate so michael i don't know if you have thoughts or ideas on that survey if i was a jerk to do that or mean or if that was cool hopefully (laughs) everybody who participated in the survey could be listening to this conversation right now so you know i I want them to know these results and see what this difference looks like
0: I would uh, I would certainly say no it's it's a great thing to do a survey I think it's marvelous to to do that and if you're going to be a coach of any description whether it's in a group or in a one-to-one situation you have to ask questions about where people not only where people start from this is kind of a meta question because this wasn't really a question about their profitability it's a question about their mindset around profitability mm-hmm. I would suggest mm-hmm. because really it's what do they think's important as a you know and what we what is actually important it's actually quite hard to tease out but it's uh, I think yeah. it's a very good question I would say that's very, very interesting. And to your points, it's interesting that although I do see people that move business models, in other words, where they were trying to migrate to higher margin products over time, I would say that can tie in with your business model because mm-hmm. if you're reselling things normally, although not yeah. always over time you'll have, have tighter gross margins than you would with a private label product yeah with the caveat that it works <laughs> by the way the right. characteristics of, of profitability are different shall we say with reselling you're more with likely models. to make a profit but it's likely to be more smaller so it's more predictable with private label products it's either going to make a loss or be pretty meh pretty boring right not much profit or it will work properly
1: but so to your yeah, point i yeah. could have asked another question which was might you know say it in a You know, response, which was migrate to a better business model. Yeah, well, yeah, and, better and is family. an interesting
0: word. I mean, different. I, I would say they have different characteristics. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily yeah. say private led le- le is a better business model uh, than reselling. And there are different types of reselling. More stable is a wholesale type relationship yeah. where you're reselling the same products again and again. Uh, somewhat like a, the next logical stage, I suppose, probably from pre- replans. Uh, I, I'm not a replans expert, so I, I, I'm sort of, yeah. you know, literally sure. the big picture model there. Yeah. But what I would say is for those who are already full time, often the people that are transitioning over are pretty full time or there's one guy, his partner, time mm-hmm. in the mastermind but doing about two million dollars a year in revenue which is kind of amazing. But it's he's also transitioning. Yeah. yeah. So the first thing is they're not trying to do that at the early stages. And the second thing I would say is migrating to higher margin products over time, for those who are established with private label um type products, which is most of the people I work with of course, mm-hmm. then They don't actually add higher margin products. They just add more products. Mm -hmm. But they make very, very sure that the margins are, you know, of the right amount. So they're not going for low margin products. But you can't really go from 30 40% margin to 70%. That's probably just not going to happen because if you do, your competition will see it and reduce the price. So there's a self-correcting mechanism there. So Mm -hmm. I think there is a certain degree to which... You you can only go so far with that idea. And then after that, you're right. You just have to yeah. make sure that you, you run it for profit.
1: And that's yeah. the, the missing piece. Run it for profit. I love that mm-hmm. phrase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the first bit of sort of interesting content for this conversation. The second bit is this new survey that came out from Jungle Scout. And I don't know if you've seen it or not. We'll have it in the show notes. It's very interesting. It came out in January. So it's new information. And it basically asked the question how much money Amazon sellers make. And so we can um, have, you know, everybody should go through this, but let me just point out three or four of the kind of bullet point takeaways from it. It's very interesting. Average monthly sales in the largest cohort of Amazon third party sellers, let's put it this way the largest cohort sold between $1,000 and $5,000 per month. And that was 20% of all. Third-party sellers that responded to the survey, so twenty percent of, of uh, the sellers, which is again the largest cohort, sell between a thousand and five thousand dollars per month, just in top line sales. Uh, so that kind of gives you your bearings around you know you know a chunk of people will sell below that, and then chunks of people sell above that. But that's the biggest cohort. Then second fact is only forty three percent of third-party sellers have ever made over $100,000 in sales. So, you know, you're you're getting into the more rarefied air as you start to go over, you know, $100,000 in sales. And then 24% of them have sold between $100,000 and a million dollars in sales. So, so that just kind of gives you sort of the bearings in terms of top line sales number. And then there's information in this set of survey responses about profitability. The one that stands out to me that I'll just kind of camp on is 42% of the thir- Amazon third party sellers have made less than $25,000 in profit. So 42% have made less than $25,000 profit, which of course is not enough to live on. I mean, it's not, that's not enough to, you know, depending on how, how long they've sold on average, but it's just not, there's just not a lot of profit there. And so, you know, it, my summary of this information, Michael, I'd be interested in your summary of it because you're much, much closer to Amazon sellers than than I am in general. My summary is that it's uh, becoming a very low barrier to entry situation, but profit is much more elusive. So sales are not hard to obtain. Profit is hard to obtain.
0: Yeah, I, I would say as a summary of Amazon as a platform. For third-party sellers that's a very good summary if you want to put it in a nutshell which is yeah what can i say i guess we need to just remember the simple simple public statements that jeff bezos has made for decades and i'm sure that whoever's making them on his behalf in the future will say similar things which is customers he said something like i cannot imagine a time when customers will not want these three things greater selection lower prices faster delivery greater selection creates more competition which pushes price down lower prices is a statement of intent the other thing he says is your margin is my opportunity right so there is absolutely explicit downwards pressure on price which of course means profit and so therefore amazon is always going to be geared to revenue creation and they are very very good at finding and keeping customers and conversion rates are incredibly high you know in the 20 30 40 percent range not one two to three four percent whatever it is in your own shopify or woocommerce whatever site so to that point the, the biggest fear of all Shopify or direct-to-consumers site owners is, I guess, crickets, i.e. nobody visits, nothing happens. Yeah. And the biggest fear of Amazon sellers is the same, but that is completely misguided because the thing you should be worried about isn't sales, it's profit. So mm-hmm. it is a platform that seduces you and gets you excited about sales and unit sales and revenue yep. and just basically activity. And that is a great sign of of some kind of life in an early stage direct-to-consumer site and pretty meaningless in the Amazon space. So it is absolutely a disease that can overcome, overcome anybody to forget to mm-hmm. take profit from Amazon. So that's why I think it's a really important topic yeah. for established business owners, not just people who are new. Really, but it's under
1: ones. it's understandable as to why new folks will focus on top line sales because yeah. it is necessary for is. the the e commerce business. It is necessary to have large sales or sales that's you know growing, you a living. And creating a successful company. And so, but it is a first milestone. It's a first you know, hurdle to overcome. If you don't have sales, you're completely frustrated in every way. So that, that is a first milestone. But what happens quickly, and this is the mental transition I think that I see people not making, is they blow past that milestone. They get sales, like they just like, Boom, they blow up, you know, six figures of sales or, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, million dollars a years of sales, but they don't make the transition to say, okay, I've met that milestone. Now I need a new obsession for my, you know, time and energy. Because w- because if if sales is your going in obsession, e- if you get into the grind and you're thinking about your business all the time, it can be easy for you to not step back and say, wait, 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 that was a goal that was a means to an end goal you know that that was the that was a step on my journey towards something much much greater. Now I need to reorient myself to say that is not where i'm focused now i It cannot just be at you know double my sales, double my sales, double my sales those that treadmill that many, many people are mentally on that they do not need to be on because they have so much sales velocity much more than they need to make a good living and that i think that's what i observe as a coach sometimes is sometimes i'll talk to people and and i'll say what do you want to do this month or what's your goals or you know what what are you focused on you know just an open-ended question and and more often than not it's sales goal you know more sales i got to get more customers got to get more you know more top-line units moved and and my voice of commentary frequently is, well, you know let's look at the p and l what what do your profits look like? What, you know what is your business finances looking like as a whole that's generally what I bring to the party as a coach so this jungle scout survey is helpful in that regard now let's talk about the third piece of information before we get into our seven steps for creating <laughs> a highly profitable e commerce company, and that is just a reference to Mike malowitz's book Profit first, and if you're not familiar with that book, I would encourage you to get it we My wife and I, Cinnamon went, and I went through it together and really liked it. We did not implement it, but we really liked the focus, the topic. I I should say this. We didn't implement his system because we have our own system.
0: Looking to increase your online sales? Join Ecom Events at one of their four events throughout the USA. Miami in January, San Diego in March, Minneapolis in July, and New York City in October. The conference offers learning, tips and tools needed to increase your sales, networking, food and refreshments, prize drawing... And lots of fun for all seller levels. Head on over to wwwe com eventscom and register today with promo code Amazing FBA to save fifty dollars off your ticket cost.
1: I guess that's a, a key a key point. But his whole formula is like the idea of the book Profit First is basically this. This is his core thesis in a nutshell. He basically Describes himself as a successful entrepreneur that wasn't good at, at money management, and frequently scaled businesses that were not profitable, and and he would you know have this crisis of you know no cash or you know kind of always be paycheck to paycheck, never paying himself, even though he was scaling these businesses. And so he came to this revelation that profit was obviously the f- most important thing. And so his formula he describes is we're, we're all familiar with the formula for businesses sales minus expenses equals profit. And his commentary is that formula does not result in a good outcome. So he switches around and he says, sales minus profit equals expenses. And the concept that he uses is just pay yourself first, have a system by which you extract the the profit component of your sales quickly, efficiently, and have, uh, you know, an allocation percentage that you focus on. And he does that through a whole set of literal checking accounts that he wants you to set up, like, you know, five core checking accounts. And that's where it kind of fell off. The the you know, the, the wheels fell off for Cinnamon and I, because we didn't feel like we needed to do that. But that's his core system is, you know, this idea that, you know, profit is, is central and needs to be addressed early. And I know, Michael, like a phrase that you like to use is like, you know you've you know you've, we've already used it but you always talk about from the beginning build it for profit start with profit from the beginning and and you use profit first for your business so i'd love yeah. your thoughts and ideas on it
0: yeah i think first of all it's a very good book to read i was recommended it by uh, a reselling sort of uh, a reseller amazon reseller and uh, coach for resellers called robin johnson from mm-hmm. she changed the name of the business i can't remember First, what it's called
1: best from the nest is not that's name the name. one
0: yes yeah. I, I yeah best from the nest which yeah. are kind of slightly mysterious name but yeah lovely lady very very feet on the ground she'd actually yeah. been i think she'd been some kind of pastor or, or something you know some sort of religious as, mm-hmm. as her job and and uh, yeah and and basically was pretty broke and got into amazon selling and did it really well but she's very focused on that and i think is the system over engineered i think it depends on how you do it and i'm interested in how you suggest measuring this stuff because i think the the concept is by far the most important thing like a lot of business books and i'm not saying that it's not a good book but i've got a copy here myself and it sits near my desk which means i value it because i literally physical proximity books to my desk indicates it's one of my go-to books so i think the concept's really important I think having a lot of checking accounts depends on how you run things. I've naturally tended to do that over years. So for me, having the the different accounts has been a natural way to to run things for the coaching business. So just to run over it just from memory, it's the income account. You've got your personal Mm -hmm. profit. You've got OPEX or operating expenses, which includes everything, not just overhead. Then there's tax and then there's there's profit to be retained in the business, basically.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So... I think those are they they're kind of goals made concrete in business accounts if that's messy and it doesn't work for how you run your accounting then I totally get that that might be a messy way of doing it I mean for me personally I'm pretty bad at running conventional accounts which I know is bad by the way I'm not suggesting anyone Mm -hmm. follows that example Mm -hmm. but if that's you then as a a starting point it's not a bad idea to
1: to use them I think sure. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. And I, I would highly encourage people to get it, absorb it, think about it as a starting point. Okay. So I, I've teased everyone with this idea of uh, seven steps to creating a highly profitable e commerce company. We better deliver here. So let's, let's dive into these. And so I think this has all been preparatory to this list here in terms of the backstories on these various uh, topics. So let's jot, dive into it. So the first thing I would highly encourage people to do, as you might uh, guess, is create a, a high quality profit and loss tool or statement that you review monthly, quarterly, and annually. Now, if you're not comfortable building that yourself, you, you know, you QuickBooks Online is a tool that many people use. You can use a Zero, you can use other online tools. You can have a CPA do this for you. Although I will say I have seen clients who are hampered by having a CPA or other person be the intermediary to their data. And I think that most e-commerce operators that are maximally efficient know how to look at the P&L themselves in QuickBooks online, can fiddle with it, look at reports, you know, run the numbers. Now, maybe they have somebody clean up their books and and tune it for them. But I think they know how to have their, uh, you know, hand on the switch in terms of knowing what the profit and loss statement looks like. And if you're not familiar with that phrase, if it's new new to you, it's one of the core financial management tools that businesses are run by. A profit and loss statement is very, very uh, common. We've talked about it in other podcasts before. So that's the first thing. And and having it done well so that it's categorized efficiently on both the income and expense side so you have real visibility into your numbers is the key thing. Frequently, like if your CPA makes a profit and loss statement for you, you know they'll have it categorized in a way that makes sense to them but frequently in a way that's not clear to you. So, for example, if I say to one of my coaching clients, how much did you spend on advertising last month? They, If the P&L isn't structured profitably, they're like, well, there's a line here for Amazon AMS ads. And, well, that's actually not... That's commingled with my Amazon revenue. I can't really see it. Then there's some Facebook ads money dribbled over here. I guess that would count. And it's just kind of disparate line items in your P&L. And so you want to have it categorized by real clear things. How much do you pay for W-2 employees? How much do you pay for 1099 contractors? How much do you pay for VAs that are off even 1099 contractors, but they're like out of country, so you still pay them? How much do you pay for advertising? And then those things unlock, you know, in a good P&L so you can have a little bit more granularity to it. So anyway, so that's the first step. And the monthly review of that, Quarterly review of that and annual review of that over time will put your mind right. I guess you could say it it is a mental, it, it is almost not about numbers. It's not about operating details. It is about your priority and your focus. And I think that that first step is critical to say to yourself at the end of every work month, did we make a profit? What exactly was it? What contributed to the lack of profit or the you know, the the success and how does it stack against the expenses in my business and what's left for me and my family at the end of the month. That mindset, I think, is the number one thing that every successful e-commerce operator will develop or needs to develop if they're going to be successful. Agreed. So that's yeah,
0: there's yeah. Lots of good points you made there. First of all, having a CPA as an intermediary I, I think really they need to be your kind of native guide, but you're the one actually hacking mm-hmm. through the undergrowth. I think that you yeah. need to have yeah. them there to explain to you. I think the critical thing with these CPAs is to be very, very clear what is you're trying to achieve with them. First of all, if you're getting them to do your annual taxes, whether corporate taxes or if you're working as a sole trader or, you know, an individual trader, as you call it in the States. Yeah. that's the That's one job. But that's a very, very different job from what we're discussing, I guess, which is management accounting. And I think that's often hugely neglected Mm -hmm. because, you know, it feels like a technical specialist area that we want to keep at arm's length as opposed to understanding that it's a little bit like if you drive a car and and you just use it for commuting. Then if it goes wrong, you take it to the mechanics and they sort it out for you and you don't want to know and you don't want to get your hands dirty. But if you are a professional race driver you need to understand the machine and when you go to the mechanics you need to stand there tinkering alongside yeah. them and yeah. really get your hands dirty and I, I i couldn't agree more with that i think if you got if you're hands off with your finances then your business is going to tank eventually because it's too critical yeah totally so right. that's really important the the second thing you you said about this the categorization piece like your your accountant doesn't understand your business like you do so if you get let them do standard categorizations they're so general they can apply to lots of different businesses which for tax accounting probably is necessary yeah but for understanding is almost useless so i absolutely agree with that you you have to sit down with them and and explain your business to them otherwise why would they understand it Mm -hmm. you know it's just Mm -hmm. critical
1: and I so would say I that, that the refinement of your PL over time is how this works. You, you, first, you take a whack at it. And you look at it and you, and you ask yourself questions. Well, what about this? What about that? And you don't have clarity. And then you realize there's higher and better functions for organization of the P and L. And so it will take you six months or a year of looking at it every month before you've got it a hundred percent dialed in. So you can ask and answer questions super efficiently about your, your numbers. And so it is a process, you know, it's a process to get refined. And so I would just, I would just encourage everyone to start that practice. Set aside an hour or two like let's call it the fifth or sixth of the month to review your prior month's numbers. And if you can't have it totally cooked by the fifth or the sixth of the month, then there's a different in your business. you know you've got an intermediary or it's just too slow or something like that. So so that's a, you know that's the goal. Okay, so the second step in creating a highly profitable e-commerce company is to I know it sounds stupid to say, but it's like the obvious thing set clear profit goals and work to achieve them. You know, the proxy for profit goals that many new people sell say is, I want to be a seven-figure seller. That's like their proxy in their mind for success. But actually, Michael, you and I have worked with many seven-figure e-commerce sellers. And we can tell you that is not a proxy for success. Yeah, the proxy for success like you, you just got to break it down like well what's the what's the goal behind that goal the goal behind that goal is a profit lifestyle outcome of you know personal reward and you know whatever in your mind you have on that list you know going on the big vacations or buying the big house or the big car or doing the big charitable thing all of that those are the goals behind the goals and that's super important so i would just say you need to set a monthly profit target And then that needs to roll to the quarterly profit target and an annual profit target. And many e-commerce businesses are seasonal. So, you know, you'll have a super amazing whatever, November, but like a horrible June. So, you know, you you do need to do it over the course of a whole year. But having those clear goals is, you know, incredibly important. And as they say, you know, if you don't have any goal, then you'll, you know, you can shoot anywhere you want. You'll never, you, you will not be hitting a goal if you don't have a goal. And uh, so that's, you know, it's just an f- incredibly important component to this whole idea. And the question is, what's the goal? Many early e-commerce sellers, the, the, a simple goal could just be to double their profit. It, you know, you know what your profit number is if you've done a PL and the first goal could be double, double your profit and do that as quickly as you can over and over, you know, until you get to a life changing number to a go full time number type thing. You know, what are your thoughts on that one, Michael?
0: Lots of thoughts. I mean, first of all, you're right that the idea of being a second figure seller means nothing. It's seven seven figures of revenue means turnover is the word we use in in uh, British English and I guess that I was about to say English 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 isn't a thing but you know what I mean yeah it, it just means money's going through your accounts it doesn't mean you get to keep any of it And actually, you might be paying Amazon or your customers for the privilege of selling on Amazon often if you do the numbers. And that's horrible, but it's true. So I can say for a fact that I know two or three seven-figure sellers who make the profits that make me cry on their behalf. And I kind of gently – and I'm getting a bit more direct these days for their sake. It doesn't change my life, but – just begging them to to make sure they're profitable now, Then they keep putting it off and you can put it off when you're a seven-figure seller. you can put it off forever, the idea that profit will appear one day when you hit a certain business size is is kind of seductive but it's really dangerous and I just think you have to guard against that and if if a profit and loss tells you that your private label business model won't be profitable because of the size of business you're running then don't run private label yet, it's too early I think you have to you have to be super yeah. clear that the only thing that matters is profit and yeah. and just be brutal about that. And because it's tough on the ego, it's horrible when you sit down with your accountant
1: yeah.
0: or a coach and you realize, dig into the numbers really hard. And you realize, oh, my goodness, I've done half a million last year and I, I made you know about 20,000 in profit and a business mm-hmm. I reviewed with somebody just the other day. Yeah has done he's not a client of mine but you know i'm helping him to potentially sell it on and actually there's lots of great things about his business but something really terrible is happening right now Mm -hmm. and it's horrible that conversation but you've got to be willing to confront the truth i think it's the stockdale paradox right you've got to have the faith that you'll be able to build your way out of it because you're an entrepreneur and you'll do what it takes but you've also got to have the willingness to confront reality and it that's tough that's that's tough but that's what well, makes it really that reference
1: idea. stockdale
0: paradox? stockdale stockdale paradox is one uh jim collins thing but he was i believe he was certainly american i think vietnam, he was a,
1: POW, vietnam
0: or possibly even korean war i think mm-hmm. it was vietnam war yeah. and he was a prisoner of war and obviously absolutely horrendous conditions and he survived mentally when others didn't and eventually got rescued and the, i guess the mentality is that idea of the blend between absolutely confronting reality mm-hmm. and having faith that you will have the resourcefulness to to work your way out of it you know love it hey there folks thank you so much for listening to another episode of the e-commerce leader so really i think this is at the core of what we do so certainly jason's a very very obsessed with the idea of uh, profit and rightly (laughs) i think and i am obsessed with the idea of it and in practice i struggle with measuring this stuff accurately and i'm not the only person some of my mastermind members who are really the best at certain aspects of business really struggle to create profits and i think it's because they've allowed it exactly as as um an articulated they 've allowed the old formula to be true, which is profits minus expenses. sorry, let me try again revenue minus expenses equals profits, so obviously, what that can mean is your expenses are so high the profits are just a leftover at the end, and they 're really tiny and disappointing so flipping that on its head and and this Mike Bikalovich idea of the profits are the first thing you want to to manage by, and the expenses have to fit into those is a real game changer. And I can say that $2 million businesses that I've worked with in terms of their revenue immediately spring to mind You're in the Tenka Collective, super smart people, very good at many aspects of running a what is not a simple business model, importing custom-made products from China to sell in the US or the UK or Europe via Amazon guess what they left the profit piece out where they pay themselves they left it at the door and that's a huge crying shame so this is super important stuff i mean really a uh, quick summary for me i think the survey that jason has made and the fact that the the more serious sellers who are making a living from it really value profitability above all else i think is really telling the fact that the sort of earlier stage replens people were, were obsessed with migrating to higher margin products over time is an interesting one the idea of my to more profit over time i think is a dangerously seductive one and one that i've seen some seven figure business sellers fall right into i think the idea that it's jammed tomorrow that we can wait for profits is incredibly dangerous when it comes to a high risk high gain environment like an e-commerce business that's in its early stages when it's very vulnerable but even later as well um, we're not investing in in uh, blue chip uh, stocks that will go down maybe 30 40 50 percent but won't go to zero or you know treasury or gilts that is to say government-backed bonds we're in a high risk game and i think that we have to make sure you get paid for that game earlier than a lot of people are <laughs> seem willing to take. So I just refer to Jim Collins' Great By Choice book, which is another fantastic book amongst many we've referenced in this couple of episodes. And just remind you that the great prof- companies make profit pretty much every year from as early as possible. I mean, really, maybe the first year is not profitable. But I think after that, if it's a smallish business and you're doing an average sort of profit and loss statement for a, uh, a normal amazon or e-commerce type business i'm trying to rack my brains for a business model where you should wait for more than a year for profit i can't really think of one you need to get to profit within the first 12 max 18 months i think and if you're doing reselling you should be there within you know a few months maximum so important topic and we will continue with this topic in the next show and we're going to be talking about seven steps that jason has to really increase the or seven methods. And it has been increasing the profits over time, which are really, really important. So please, I'm begging you, don't just skip over this as another thing to think about. This is the thing to think about. In my experience, please make the efforts on this and please follow Jason's thoughts on this particularly because he's been, as he said, in in this business model for about 14, 13, 14 years now. So really seasoned operator and, and he's got a particular knack for helping business operators to get this thing right thanks very much for listening as ever don't forget to share the love by giving us a a like or i guess the equivalent of that on apple Podcasts is a review or rating one two three four or five stars and if you can leave us a review that's even better and finally don't forget to subscribe to the e-commerce podcast so we can help make you the e-commerce leader podcast i should say so we can make you the best e-commerce leader you can be thanks for listening And I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.